1: Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. And despite the lack of football in the Big Ten, there's still plenty to talk about uh, for us here on the show, so we're going to get into our news of the day, talk about uh, the most recent rumblings of a winter football season. I know spring has kind of been the the conversation, but a lot of these seasons that are uh, being kicked around are, are more so, at least in the territory where we live, uh, probably more considered winter than spring, um, if you're thinking about February and January and March. Um, And then we'll talk about some of the other issues going around the Big Ten, uh, talk about Kevin Warren's comments, uh, the parents, and then uh, we'll touch on a little basketball stuff. And then in the back half of the show, we're just going to go into depth about uh, which players we thought were kind of primed for breakout years and and were maybe – hurt by the shutdown. Of course, every player that is not playing this fall season has been impacted by it uh, but it, it's fair to say that some players have had a uh, bigger uh, hit to them than, than others you know upperclassmen, the guys that were primed for a breakout year that now may have to wait hopefully only till January or February or whenever that spring season starts up. So we'll get into that. We'll each go through uh, some of our players and it should be a, a good little episode to uh, round out the week here at Bucky Smith podcast. Matt, how you doing today? Doing fantastic. Uh, it's beautiful outside. Was able to go on
0: a nice walk and uh, hang out with my wife because it's her day off. So that was uh, that was
1: great. How
0: was uh, how's puppy life?
1: Puppy life is going good. She's uh, listening and, and going potty outside. And actually, uh, it's, it's my girlfriend's day off too, so she's got her uh, right now. So we can record a, a, a knock out a good podcast. So everything is, is falling into place here. Uh, at the Hunt household for sure. (laughs) Nice. Um, With that, are you ready to get into our news of the day? Let's do this, man. Here's what's happening. All right, guys, so we talked about it uh, briefly in the intro, uh, but winter football is the discussion and the rumbling around the Big Ten now that we've kind of moved on from the cancellation of the fall season. I know there's some people that are still uh, letting their feelings be known on that, rightfully so, and we're starting to get some response back uh, from some higher-ups and that. But we'll talk about that here in just a minute. We'll start with the winter football, Matt. Uh, January uh, is, is kind of the talk right now. Rumblings have been going till basically the end of February in uh, uh, essentially kind of like a bubble, not necessarily a bubble format, but indoor stadiums across uh, the Big Ten footprint. Uh, you, you think, obviously, with the Big Ten championship, Indianapolis is a site. Um, there's probably some others that they can find to maybe make a way to make this work and not make teams play in the brutal Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa winters uh, that we get here in there, this area. So I think the the plans that have, have kind of been discussed have some some legs to it, and hopefully we can make it work. But what have you made of that schedule, and, and how do you think that could uh, work out for the players in the Big Ten?
0: I think it makes a ton of sense. I know I had written a piece last week, I guess it was, that was kind of talked about what I think would go into um, a spring season. Um, I know that right now there's they're talking an 8 game season like you said that would start in uh January and and I think that's that's big because the earlier it can happen the the better chances I feel like it has to actually ha- uh, occur and to get those games in. Um, I know that um, Jeff uh wrote about that with the Wisconsin, uh, with Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. I had heard a lot of the exact same things, which is why I wrote that article back then, that it was probably going to be earlier and that uh, they're going to do everything in their power not to touch a fall season. Um, I'm guessing some of his sources were probably some of the same people that I had heard from that basically just said, this is something that's, that is, is coming. Um, I would anticipate that. Um, that it will be happening in the next week or two. That when uh, that it should be announced formally. Um, I know that right now the schedule, basically the understanding of what it's going to look like, is is already been um, kind of put in place. But now it's just kind of a waiting game for things to come out and the official announcement. So I, I, I'm excited that they're going to give it a go. I'm really excited by the fact that maybe we can have. A seven-month window of college football, which is fantastic. Um, but uh, I still wish, obviously, that it would have uh, everything would be aligned. But man, if we can get a seven months of football, assuming that the three power fives that are going to keep running with it and the three group of fives can run with it in the fall, and then something can get off the ground for a winter/slash spring season, man, we're in we're in business.
1: Yeah, I think you. But- Based on where we were, you know, last week with the, the the talk of, of course, the cancellation and the spring ball, a lot of people not sounding optimistic about it, uh, it's a nice change of pace to have uh, discussions being made. Uh, you know, we talked about Jeff Brown's layout last episode. We've uh, talked now about this today, about some new rumblings, and it, it sounds like finally, and I know there's probably been more discussions than what we've heard about, but finally there's some planning Going in involved, you know, in August, so we can do this hopefully in January. Which I know a lot of people around the Big Ten and fans have, have kind of been scratching their head with the quote-unquote planning that was done for this fall season. So uh, I, I like that, you know, I, I like that we've kind of moved on from the fall season. And know it's disappointing, and I know these other conferences are possibly going to play, and uh, the Badgers and, and other Big Ten teams will miss out on. Uh, the traditional fall season but at the same time uh, if you could recoup some of the, the quote-unquote loss that you've you've had from this and, and play a season figure out a, a Big Ten champion if the Pac-12 kind of could follow a, a similar plan and you could figure out some sort of uh, bowl game you could at least scrap something together uh, to salvage the season and uh, like you said if there's a window of of College football going all the way into uh, late February and, and possibly into March, right as college basketball is kind of going on. That would be a uh, a good scenario from where we were just just really a week ago uh, with uh, things looking very doom and gloom. Oh, for sure. And you know, obviously who
0: knows if this actually happens. There's a lot that still needs to be figured out. There's uh there's still a, a cause that isn't uh isn't chosen by humans. The the virus has got a mind of its own and everybody is just kind of at the mercy of that. So I think there's still a lot to figure out from this and who knows, um, whether it's the fall here or whether it's the winter, um for, for teams, there's going to be things that are going to come that are unexpected and people just need to kind of roll with it. So I think just having a plan is a positive step here um, as we've seen kind of the, the PR mess of the Big Ten um, kind of slowly unroll here the, the past uh, month, really.
1: Yeah, and that's a good transition. We'll hop over to our next piece of news, and that is going off of the PR nightmare that has been Uh, the Big Ten the last few weeks, Kevin Warren did put out a a very long, detailed letter um, about the cancellation, uh, which I I didn't get a chance to read the full thing, kind of read the uh, the clips and and the headlines of it. It's it's a a step in the right direction of of what I think Big Ten's fans and, and players and parents are owed. And, and also what they're looking for in terms of answers there's been all sorts of outrage rightfully so it was not handled the right way um, in terms of, of getting these answers figuring out why uh, the season was cancelled so uh, the the letter while it was very um, politiciany speech you know it was it was definitely well detailed crafted um, it, it's still a, a good step in the right direction where we're finally getting some answers that I think uh, we were owed so what did you make of, of the letter and, and kind of the comments that that finally uh, came out from the, from Kevin Warren in the Big Ten?
0: I think it was it was important. I, I like that uh, he went ahead and uh, talked about the fact that he messed it up. Like that he said, you know, the quote was, "I'll be the first one to admit it. I was not as clear as I should have been, and that's why I felt it was important that I write this letter." Mm. And you know. At least he was able to go out and understand and say that because there is plenty of people who would have dug in their heels and and just said no it's this it is what it is. Let's move on whereas everybody can see um from an optics and outside perspective that this wasn't uh done the best way possible the the um The ways in which that it was um delivered to the public was not great um so it was it was good to get some clarity on that. There's still um a lot that still needs to come out because you look at uh the pac twelve we've talked about that you you got like a twelve page document that laid out their findings, what they heard, what they're thinking why they're doing it, and lo and behold, they don't have a bunch of uh teams going rogue and um clamoring for for change and so i I think. That uh, that right there is a, a big piece of it. So I, I like that he had went ahead and um, at least um, shouldered some of that blame and, and said that. Um, but uh, you know, there's, it's it's a good first step in hopefully helping the conference heal because it's not looking pretty and it hasn't looked pretty over these past week or two for the Big Ten. And hopefully that this is a step in the right direction.
1: Yeah, you got to give him props to owning up to the, the the mishandlement of it. Of course, when this all started, uh, and just knowing the conferences, the Big Ten is normally the exact opposite of this, and the Pac-12 is, is usually a little bit uh <laughs> Yeah, they disheveled. put the script so, on each yeah. other. <laughs> not, not the roles that I have expected the two conferences to take, but uh, I, I do give Kevin Warren props for that, and I think it, it takes a lot to, uh, own up to something that's been a, a massive mistake and uh, the thing I think that's going somewhat unnoticed here is while Kevin Warren is shouldering a lot of of the blame and he deserves his fair share of blame for the lack of answers and the just the poor handling some of these presidents of, of the university have have not, made statements, have not came out, have not given much info, and, you know, it's not like this was a dictatorship where it was solely Kevin Warren's decision. I know he's the face of the Big Ten right now, so he's going to get, uh, you know, it's going to fall down the funnel uh, to him, and if you're a face of a company, that's kind of the responsibility you bear, but he's doing a lot more now uh, because of maybe that pressure or because he, he realized something, but he's doing a lot more than a lot of other people that were involved in this decision. Because like I said, it wasn't a one-man decision. It's not a one-man show. And he's at least, you know, owning up to the fact and, and now kind of putting the final nail. I know he kind of emphasized that the, the, the Big Ten isn't going to reverse course. I think we both and most people knew that already. But uh, I applaud him for saying essentially hand up and, and let's figure out a plan for this winter-spring.
0: Yeah, and, and that is that is something that I think gets glossed over, like you mentioned, that this wasn't uh, a one-man show. He he wasn't the uh, sole entity making this decision. It was instead a group of people who came to this conclusion. Now, we're not sure of how the actual votes are, if there was a vote and all that crap going on how that actually went down but we do know that it wasn't just him um, but I, I, it's also telling like I can't even blame some of these presidents to be like well I don't know if there was exactly a vote in like basically pushing off the blame to Kevin Warren because that like more power to him if, if you got a guy who is, that's his job is to kind of shoulder that load and to, and to go ahead and be the, um, face of this. I mean, it's a billion dollar industry, um, that is the big ten. And so I, I can't blame presidents. I guarantee you that there is, uh, a large chunk of the population that if they were in the exact same situation would be like, hell yeah, I'm going to pass the blame on and, and find a scapegoat. So, I think um, Kevin Warren. I have been uh, at multiple times. I've been critical of what he's done, um, and and I still am. But at the same time, I do understand that. Everything that he's had to be put in, he was in a very lose-lose situation. Um, but that I think just the transparency that they're hopefully going to be pushing towards uh, will help a great deal and was the right thing to do off the jump. I just think that they just needed a little bit more time to get their ducks in a row before they uh, spread the news right away.
1: Yeah, and, and that's the biggest part is that I, I think where I get hung up on some of that stuff is there was no – yeah, and, of course, the players and the coaches, they wanted a decision. They were practicing and not knowing the, the future. But uh, you could have pushed it back if you needed more time, at least, to, if you were going to make this cancellation, to button it up and make it cleaner. Uh, but at, at this point, it is what it is. And now we can hopefully uh, start to get some of the info, get some of the answers, and, and build this thing into uh, the winter and the spring, because there's a lot of people that are going to want answers on why and also how we're going to make it work in the future, and that kind of brings it uh, another nice transition here into our, our next piece of news. And in uh, the couple of things I want to talk about first, you wrote up an article, uh, you would talk to some parents via the Bucky's Fifth Quarter Twitter um, to get a kind of just get a sense of, of what they were feeling, um, you know, how they felt about uh, things that were going on. So. Before we get into kind of the parent protest that will be happening, I believe, tomorrow at the Big Ten office, um, what was kind of the sense that you got from the parents? And uh, what just maybe give us a rundown of the article. I've had a chance to read it, and I think it was very well done. But if uh, the listeners want to uh, go ahead and, and take a peek at it.
0: Yeah, so basically I connected with some parents using Twitter as well as um, over the phone and was able to kind of talk with them. Um, I, I basically gave, uh, told them that I would be doing the article anonymously on their behalf just to, because I wanted them to be able to speak freely and, uh, really not hold back because we know that oftentimes in this, I, the last thing I wanted to do was if, to jeopardize, um, how, uh, they might be, they might be looked at within the Wisconsin community as well as, um, their uh, student athletes who you know, really, they're 18 to 21 year olds, but at the same time, the parents might not share the exact same feelings as their child. Most of the time, I'm guessing they do, but um, really, they for for most of it, they wanted answers. Um, you know, they they want uh, an idea of really how this came about, and and that they're just frustrated with it. And primarily, the frustration seems to be because they're um, their children, their sons, worked very hard. You know, like, they have really tried their best to keep it a bubble to to make sure that um, they're keeping each other accountable, to make sure that they're um, doing everything they can to um, give themselves the best chance to play football. And for it to kind of just be pulled out from under them in the 11th hour, I think, was, was hard. And so I think it really does come down to how it was ha- handled at the Big Ten level. Um, but another big thing that I got, and this was something that I heard from just about every parent, um, I never, I didn't hear anything negative about the University of Wisconsin. Everything was extremely positive within the way that the um, football um, and athletic department handled everything. Um, you know, there, there was meetings that they were doing, um, um, you know, every couple of weeks they were having meetings to, to let families know and to keep them updated. Um, this was something that, uh, from everything I've heard, Coach Chris was extremely transparent with, with the, not only the students, and we heard that a little bit by Cole Van Rannen and Eric Burrell that Chris wouldn't really sugarcoat it and let them know that these are the three different possible things that could happen. But really, it seems like, uh, that's, the parents were extremely impressed by everything and how diligent the university was within everything, but that they seemed uh very frustrated with the big Ten and just everything i guess i guess just the suddenness of of it all without um them being told without them being aware of it from the conference level and so I think that was kind of their biggest thing but you're i I do uh like the way that the parents of Wisconsin have handled it. I know for a fact that they uh were thinking of writing a letter or doing something just like a lot of the other um, teams across the conference did. I know Iowa, Nebraska, Ohio State, Penn State. There was letters put out there and a lot of other teams, and that was the thought the the parents grappled with that, but in the end, they felt like. They were all just kind of reproductions of the same thing being shared, and really they they saw that hey, um, let's move on, let's control what we can control, and and try to stay positive about the fact that hopefully we can get a winter season here or a spring season, and and really get the best for you know their student athletes.
1: Yeah, I think everything that uh, you went into the article was was very well done and, and very thought out. You know, there's some parents that and uh, you know across the country, and this kind of ties into the protest that uh, is going on. I believe with Ohio State parents, uh, Iowa parents. I don't know if, if any other student parent groups have have decided to join up this cause, but uh, I, I think there was some very rational and uh, understanding parents, rightfully so. There were some that were. Um, more upset, and, and you can understand, but it's, there's a wide range of emotions because it's a very uh, difficult thing to navigate. Uh, there's there's a, a lot that goes into it uh, as a coach, as a player, and, and I would have to guess as a parent, you know, having your kid uh, want to play football and work so hard, but also you wanting to keep them safe. So uh, it, it was a very interesting article to, to kind of see the different uh, opinions and uh, the, the questions that they wanted answered. And I think for the most part, they were all things that were very fair to you know be asking of the Big Ten and, uh, and of the conference. So uh, I think Wisconsin parents have, have handled it very well in terms of uh, remaining level-headed, rightfully upset by the decision, but understanding of, of what they, they want and, and uh, moving forward. I think that's uh, going to be a, a positive for this team and, uh, of course, for the program. Um, like you mentioned, Paul Christ really was looked like a guy that was uh, in in a positive light. You know, he he was essentially shooting his player straight. Which, if you've ever been around Paul Christ or heard an interview, he's a pretty straight shooter. That's yeah, um, the least surprising thing of all yeah, time. You know, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So uh, I think it just explains that you know he's not out there trying to uh, sugarcoat things or, or make anybody's feelings. Um, you know feel better about what's happening he's just kind of laying it out there and I think that will go a long way because uh, some programs are are going to be hurt from this that the, the all of the Big Ten if, if everyone plays will probably uh, you know, feel a little bit of a setback but it's it's how you respond from and I think Paul Crisp in Wisconsin as a whole uh, and, and has done a good job of, of being transparent giving the players and the parents the, the answers that they want and, and rightfully deserve.
0: Yeah, for sure, and I'm I'm very grateful um, for the parents who who got back to me and talked with me. And um, the parents were from all over the country, from very different backgrounds, and really just it, you could sense their frustration in their voices, whether it was on the phone or um, whether it was just over messaging. But but in, in in the end, I I think they did a a good job of just highlighting just how they're feeling, and that's really what I wanted. I didn't want it to be something to where um, they had to hold back necessarily how they – their thoughts with this because we do know that obviously there's a lot of perspectives on this issue. There's a lot of perspectives going on in our world in general. There's – and really uh, college football right now, what's happening is kind of a microcosm of our country, and so so I didn't want to – put anybody on blast and make it so that they had to assign their name to it. So I, uh, I, I'm glad. I hope people liked it. Um, it, it was just trying to see uh, another side of the, um, of the game that isn't necessarily always um, hit with. You know, we don't always hear from parents nearly as often. And so I, I thought that this was an opportunity to really um, hear what they're thinking and really voice their, how, they're, how they're doing amidst this all.
1: Yeah, uh, if you guys haven't uh, listened to it all, or listened to it, read it already, uh, make sure to go and check it out at buckystwithcorder.com. It uh, was very well done and I think it gives a very interesting and, and open and honest perspective from uh, a handful of parents that, like Matt mentioned, is from uh, different, different walks of life, different areas of the country, different opinions. Everyone's got one in terms of what's going on in the world and uh, with, the, with the coronavirus. So definitely something to check out. All right, our last bit of news before we get into uh, some actual football talk. We're going to actually talk uh, some basketball. Unfortunately for the Badgers, it isn't a uh, positive note. Uh, James Graham III did announce his commitment to Maryland, uh, was considering the Badgers uh, as a four-star player. Highly talented kid. It it seemed like Wisconsin was right in the thick of it until the end. I know Mark, you know, it it was a big win for Mark Turgeon. Uh, I know from from all the articles and opinions out there, Mark Turgeon really did a a great job with himself and his staff to get in and, and really recruit James Graham hard to, to to get him to Maryland. So a big win for them, a, a tough loss for the Badgers because he is not only going to another school, but going to a a program that you battle with year out, year in, and year out uh, in the Big Ten. So. What did you make of his commitment and uh, just how big of a uh, – as, as a punch is it to, uh, you know, the Wisconsin basketball staff?
0: Yeah, first off, you know, best of luck for him. I, I think that's uh, that's a, a fairly good landing spot for him just with the way he, he plays his game, how Maryland usually does things. Um, Mark Turgeon, he's, he's a good recruiter. Um, you know, Maryland's got a lot of things um, with very uh, Adidas representation to, to, that they – you know, have in their back pocket here to to help them out on the recruiting front, and I, I think really it's it makes a lot of sense for him. I think for the Badgers, it's not that big of a blow. The Badgers were really looking for kind of boomer bust here to fill out that last spot in uh, in his class. I wouldn't be surprised if if they bank that scholarship and roll it over just because they have um scholarship wise i know i've referenced this before they've got seven freshmen in in the class that just came on campus the 2020 group uh they've already got a good number of kids in the 2021 group so it be it makes sense scholarship wise to try to spread that out a bit pop that scholarship back to the 2022 class and really just try to hit on the big targets you've got left i know hunter Salas is is still out there um, who is good friends with chucky e. hepburn I doubt that happens. He's another five-star kid who's probably going to be going to the blue-blood ranks. Um, but, but really, this this was a uh, one that the Badgers got in late. Tried to make up some ground, but really, um, I, I feel like James Graham was was a kid who um, was probably destined to go to a place like Maryland for for a while, and that the Badgers were um, maybe just a little late and to to get into this one and. The Badgers really just bring something different to the table than, than what Maryland does. And that's not an indictment on either program. They both have had tremendous success. They just do it in a very different way. And so, um, I think, you know, he, he hopefully for him, he'll have great success at Maryland. But I, I don't think that this is, this isn't, uh, Tyler Hero pulling the rug under the Badgers. Uh, this is, this, this is a kid who the Badgers were like, Hey, it'd be great to have him. But if not, The beat's gonna go on and the Badgers will be just fine.
1: Yeah, and I think you've seen uh, Paul Paul Chris, you've seen Greg Gard, you know, have a much better uh, recruitment of late. You know, he's landed some big names, uh, really doing a good job on that front. So I I can't imagine it's something where the Badgers uh, left much to be desired in terms of recruitment. Some guys, you know, we talked about it with Jerry Cross going to Penn State. Some guys, despite being an in-state guy and, and getting the best pitch from Wisconsin, just feel that their uh, spot and their their calling is elsewhere, and you can't uh, blame them. You wish them the best of luck. Of course, it's going to be tough uh, to see him take on uh, Wisconsin all the time, but we've we've had that situation before in Wisconsin basketball. Uh, remains a pretty consistent product uh, in in college basketball overall, so not the end of the world uh, for Badger fans out there that were hoping to land him, but. Would have loved to have him in, in the Cardinal in white, but if not, you've you got to wish him the best of luck, and we'll uh, see it settled on the court very soon, I would imagine. Yeah. All right. And, oh, go ahead. Oh, and I was
0: just going to say, and in, in with the Badgers already having Matthew Moores and Chris Hodges, a couple of forwards, in that, in his, in that same grade, uh, it, the Badgers are going to be just fine. I think Matthew Moores has uh, a really good game that's going to, Blend nicely with the Badgers at that power forward or small forward position. And then you look at, you know, even the guys on the team currently, some of these freshmen they have coming in are, are supposed to be looking really good. And then you look at Tyler Wall growing a couple inches this past, this offseason and, and bulking up a little bit. I think they're in a really good space over these next co- couple years at, at that, um, small forward, power forward, um, kind of, uh, Hybrid position that the Badgers use a lot. You know, the Badgers don't necessarily always have uh, a four that's, you know, ex- explicitly a four. So I think, uh, just, I think they'll be just fine. And I really like what the great guard building right now, basketball wise, especially if um, some of these young guys who are freshmen are able to get some some tread on their tires this this upcoming season, assuming there is a season, because uh, come 2021, it's going to be a whole new roster. And I'm I'm excited to see kind of what that iteration of uh, Wisconsin basketball looks
1: like. Yeah, what that might look like. Well, until then, in Greg Gard, we trust. And we're still talking about a team that did win a a Big Ten regular season title this past year and uh, was looking primed for a nice run before everything happened with COVID. So uh, you have to be happy with where the, the, the point in which the program is right now, and hopefully that will continue into the college basketball season that we will hopefully have uh, here in the coming months. All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and kick it over to a couple quick ad reads, and then we'll get into our player impact shutdown conversation. All right, guys, so we're going to touch on now the essentially the players that we kind of thought were were primed for a breakout season um, and were maybe most impacted by uh, the the cancellation of the college football season. Hopefully, we'll still see these players on some sort of field at some sort of time, but until we hear about that plan, uh, we'll kind of go into it, and uh, we each kind of game up with a rundown list of, of who we think and, and where uh, we, we thought the conversation uh, might go and in which guys would be impacted the most. So, Matt, would you like to start with your uh, first player, and we'll just kind of dive right into it? How about this? Last time we did something like this, I got first pick. You can have the first one this time. All right. I will go right into it. And the, the player that I'm going with is, of course, the quarterback number one, presumably. I'm going to go with Jack Cohen and... I don't necessarily think uh, the shutdown, of course, hurts, but I think Jack Cohen is a guy that is kind of in an awkward spot, maybe. Um, and I'd like to, I'm interested to see how that plays out with whenever the the spring season comes alive, because uh, especially upperclassmen that that have years of eligibility left, how they want to handle certain things, and the quarterback position is. Is always an interesting one. So I think if he would have had a really good year, uh, it would have—it was definitely benefiting him as he tries to, uh, you know, work his way to the next level, um, trying to get more. You know, he had very good film last year for the most part, but try to get more of that put together—a second consistent season uh, would be really would have, would have really helped him out. And I think uh, for the Badgers, the situation where you've got a a senior experienced quarterback and a young up-and-coming player ready to take over. They kind of had a good situation um, rolling into this season. Now with the fall cancellation um, and a possible spring season rolling into next season, eligibility questions, I'm interested to see what that uh, what that does for Jack Cohn, how he how he plays it because, uh, you know, similar to Cole Van Landen and Eric Burrell the other day, that their plans are affected on this decision more so than than most, so it's going to be interesting to see uh how his future kind of plays out and then what his mindset is as we go into this uh you know questioning of of the future
0: yeah I think that's uh that's a good call I think you you look at jack Cohen. I think really that quarterback room in general is one that that uh, this kind of throws a little wrench in it because you look at how everything had been planned out. You could easily see a succession plan that it was Jack Cohn here in 2020 and then in 2021 it would be um, a Mercer alert and he would be out there. Um, so I think this kind of muddies the waters a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing that assuming they are able to have a winter or spring um spring season that it'll be jack Cohn. like he'll be the guy and they'll be in a, a good spot with him and then it can be mertz in 2021 however if we it ends up that there's no winter season either jack Cohn's gonna have some major decisions to make about whether he's coming back um whether he's gonna try to um latch on to somebody in the nfl whether he's gonna try to um do that because there's usually a big jump that quarterbacks can get heading into that senior year. Like it's hard to remember sometimes that Jack Cohn is going to be a true senior. He doesn't have, he hasn't used a red shirt. He, he played right away and hasn't had that opportunity to um, red shirt and kind of be that fifth year guy. Instead, this is his fourth year in the program. He played really well last year, and I anticipated him to make a nice jump like you talked about. But it does make it so that the Badgers are going to be a tough spot because if if no season happens, there's talks that waivers will be allowed so that players will keep their eligibility regardless of how many games they played. Does he come back to Wisconsin uh, in 2021, or is it something to where he has good film in the winter and is able to go on? Um, that it's it's going to be fascinating to watch that that quarterback room and kind of how that's fleshed out over the next uh, eight months or so
1: yeah it's going to be a, a very interesting situation that I think you, the all eyes are on the quarterback position already and and now with this little wrinkle uh, added into it it's just going to add a little bit more of of that intrigue as you go into the the next possible season and uh, you know like you said that quarterback room was set up well you had a had a player at each class, which is which is always good, and uh, you had that plan, and now that is all scraps. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. All right, Matt, who did you have as uh, your first uh, uh, player that you're interested in and in kind of uh, you know, was affected by this you know, big change?
0: Um, I'm actually going to go with Gabe Lloyd. So I'm going to stick with the offense. Um, he, he's a walk-on tight end. I, I still think that he was probably the tight end that had the chance, the best chance to um, take over that that blocking inline role um, next to um, Jake Ferguson, and he didn't get to play at all last year. This is this is a guy who played in eight games as a redshirt freshman on special teams. He played in all thirteen games as at special teams and as tight end in his redshirt sophomore year, but then. Missed all of last year with that knee injury. Was coming back supposedly. Um, was in great shape. Looked like he was probably going to be um, a guy that could could help the team out because he's he's more than just a blocker. He's he's got good hands. He's got good range. Um, he's good athlete um, out of the Green Bay area. So I think for him, you add in that hey, senior year, last opportunity. He might be able to get another year back, but it's hard to to. To do that sometimes, if you're a walk-on, you're paying your own way along the way here, and it, it just pushes off uh, for a lot of walk-ons starting your life, you know, like getting on to that next part of your life. You saw Brevin Pritzel go ahead and, and say, hey, if there was another season, I, I wasn't going to hang around. I want to get going on my life, and you never know with some of the upperclassmen walk-ons who have a chance to play, they they're gonna do everything in their power to want to play. But it's also hard because you, they also need to get going on their life, um, and and they're gonna be still paying for that extra time in college. It's not like um, some of the other players on the team where it's like oh, I'm I'm fine with waiting it out and getting in uh and getting my school paid for and getting an extra degree. That's that's not so hard to do. Whereas um, if you're paying it out of pocket, that's that's a, a hefty amount that you're paying to to get that extra year of football. Um, I'm guessing he'd probably take it up, but at the same
1: time, who knows?
0: So I, I look at some of the walk-on seniors as um, kind of hit hard by this.
1: Oh yeah, I mean it's it's an expensive decision to make uh, when you're when you're looking at not being a scholarship type player and having to uh, come up with that money and, and make that decision, and also. Beyond that, you know, like you said, a lot of players, while they love the game of football, everyone loves the the sport that they loved growing up. At some point, you're ready to just get on to the next phase. And it, I would have to imagine, even within COVID, it's got to be exhausting to to not know that plan. Have a right. I'm sure if you were coming into the fall, you're ready to go ahead and, and get after your senior season, play it out as best you can, leave it all on the field, and now you have a a whole boatload of stuff to uh, unpack and, and figure out and decide on, uh, which nobody has had to. There's nobody that you can look to for advice in terms of the situation. Nobody's had their fall football season taken away from them. So you got to feel for uh, the kids like that, and he'll be an interesting one uh, to watch for. All right, my next player was, I actually went with um, a player that was coming back from injury that I was interested to see where he would be, and now all of a sudden, you have to wait a, another however many months to get back on the field, uh, which can be, I, I would have to be think, devastating when you were out all of last season, and that's Scott Nelson at the safety position, a guy that his freshman year, we all remember, played extremely well, uh, went down with an injury the first game at South Florida last year, and it was coming back. You looked at Eric Burrell, Reggie Pearson, Scott Nelson returning. You, you looked at some really solid safety Prospects and ideas, and and now while he'll still have a chance to get on the field at some point, you have to wait even longer. Uh, I know coming back from injury and and having to wait and wait is hard enough as it is when you're out for an entire season, but having to wait uh, that and then some is got to be tough for not only yourself physically but also just mentally you want to get back on the field and and start feeling right and playing football and I have to guess that's the same situation for Scott Nelson so he was my uh number two that I was interested to see and and was hoping to kind of get a feel for where he's at and now he'll just have to wait a bit longer but hopefully he can still come out and be the the player that he was this freshman season.
0: I like that one. I think that's good because he is a full year removed from that knee injury, so to make it so that he's probably going to be good to go to start right away um, and, and or would have been ready to roll here in the fall. Um, where, Whereas, like, I think it hurts him in this situation. I think it also benefits a guy like Caden Lyles, who was still kind of dealing with some of the, the mm-hmm. um, injury issues and wasn't totally sure if he was going to be full go for the start of fall camp. You push that back to Winter, he's probably good to go here. So I think that that's that's a tough part is that some guys really benefit from this, but most guys aren't aren't, going to be lining up and be excited about this.
1: Yeah, Um, definitely. It's an interesting one. All right, go ahead for your number two. Sorry, I cut in there for you. (laughs) No,
0: no, no. Um, I'm going to go with Isaiah Mullins. Uh, And I'm going to kind of talk a little bit about uh, depth chart-wise and and timing, just because we look at uh, the Wisconsin defensive line, and I know um, I'm pretty bullish on the Wisconsin defensive line because I think they have some of the best returning talent in depth that they've had there in a while. And you look at um, who they have with Garrett Rand and Isaiah Loudermilk at that DN position, and then you've got Matt Henningsen who started just as many games as Garrett Rand last year and who played a lot of snaps. Um, and I think that rotation of those three is really, really solid. And I think that this year Isaiah Mullins was going to be inserted in there a little bit more. We saw him play in a good amount of games last year. We saw him do some some good things as well when he was out on the field, uh, whether it be in goal line, whether it be in uh, short yarded situations, um, as well as um, being able to rush the passer. So I think you look at him; he's going to be a redshirt. He's going into his redshirt sophomore year after getting pretty good playing time as a red shirt freshman, having um, been really um, heard good things and been given good feedback from some of his teammates and coaches. um, I think he's a guy that is is just going to, that pushes back the opportunity, the timing for him to get on the field a little bit um, because I think really he, he wants to get out there. Obviously everybody wants to be the starter and uh, who knows with how eligibility issues will work and, whether um, some guys will come back and, and play. You know, if, if um, players don't necessarily see the draft um, selection that they want, they totally can do that. They'll be able to come back possibly. And so I think Isaiah Mullins probably uh, going into 2021 is, you know, if you had to pencil in a starting defensive end to go with Matt Henningsen, it would probably be him. So I, I think for, for him, just that opportunity to see the field, you could probably go with Boyd Dietzen in
1: that uh, same vein as well. Yeah, I, I like that. You you think about, of course, the the star players that are that are impacted about this, and uh, you know, we talked about Eric Burrell and Cole Van Lanen, the the top decisions that they're going to have to make. But on the flip side, the the guys that are waiting in the wings to wait for those guys to get done and move on to their next phase also are trying to get on the field. And now you're going to talk about some players are coming back and, and eligibility. If you're eligible for an extra season, are you going to play? it. Is that kind of clog up the the depth charts and and not progress forward like it normally does normally you've got guys graduating and and being done and moving on positions you guys got to step in now that all gets kind of messy and guys that were maybe listed as a backup ready to take on this year and whatever role they had and then be really uh primed for you know a starting role in in 2021 now you have to uh, essentially keep that battle uh, much longer. So it's going to be uh, an interesting one, and I, I like that pick uh, a lot because there's going to be some guys like that that are in that same situation. All right, my number three, uh, and I kind of went on the the same line as you thinking um, for, for this, and, and maybe it's not so much uh, of an impact for him right now, but it still kind of keeps that room kind of clogged up. And I went with... Uh, Dante Burton and some of the other younger secondary guys. You can kind of club um, him and, uh, uh, you know, like Travion Blaylock, guys like that together, guys, Deron Harrell, guys that were backups to the likes of Fayon Hicks, Rashad Wild, Goose, and um, Caesar Williams. Uh, you, you saw the cornerback room. Caesar Williams would have came in this year and, and moved on. Now you, again, uh, another clog where he could come back. Uh, he's a guy that's going to want to, you look at Teaser Williams, uh, he's another guy impacted by this uh, tall physical corner, could could be a guy that wants to get more on tape. So he's going to probably want to come back and be on the field as much as possible. So that kind of clogs up that cornerback room a little bit more, which we were all excited to see that room and, and the depth that they had. So uh, I I kind of – I said Dante Burton because he's a young up-and-coming player, uh, but really there's a, a good group of, of all those young secondary corners that uh, – are are going to be affected by uh this in in the same light that you just mentioned. Yeah,
0: I think there's there's a lot of guys that I think it's 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 tough on but but like I said I also think it opens up avenues for some of the true freshmen to have a better chance of playing as well. Mm-hmm. Um not necessarily in the cornerback room but in other spots. So it's hard because there is so many um players that probably actually benefit from this whether they like it or not. And but then I would say the majority still uh it hurts them in the long run. Um, I'll uh, hop back to the offense here, and I'll go with Julius Davis. Um, you, everybody remembers just uh, his recruitment and, and really how talented he was out on the field um, as, a, as a junior. I mean, that, the, the tape he had where he was running through tackles and jumping over people and spinning and everything is just wild to watch. You saw him then go out the first handful, of, or I guess it was, I think it was two or three games his senior year and just light the world on fire only to miss pretty much the entirety of the year other than late in the season where he wasn't fully healthy. Missed all of last year with that uh, with that core injury. And uh, so I, I, I'm sure he was just, uh, just ready to get out there. He's supposed to be back to full health. Didn't have spring to, to get out there and show what he could do. And so just – Thinking about how far, how long it's been since he was able to tote the rock probably is tough for him. So I would say he's a kid that I don't know if he was going to take away carries from Nikia Watson. Um, I think that was going to be figured out during fall camp. But just for for his mental psyche to be, like, missing out on uh, that that opportunity because it's it's been – Damn near two years before, since he's been able to be a full-on contributor on the field in in a meaningful way, and that's that's not easy when you're when you're not really able to practice much last year, um, missed most of your senior year. That's that's not easy, and he's a very talented kid who had offers from you know LSU, USC, uh, Notre Dame. I mean, he
1: was getting looks from a lot of places, so he's no slouch. Yeah, that's a tough one to try and have to to battle through. It's similar light to the Scott guy, Nelson guys that are working back from injury that now have to wait a bit longer. That can you're you're chomping at the bit to get on the field and then that uh, all gets shaken up and and your plan kind of reverses course. So that's a tough one um, for 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 players like that to swallow. Yeah. All right, we each did three. Why don't we go ahead, I don't know if you had any others on your list, but to round out the episode, we'll, we'll I'll give a, maybe a rundown of, of the guys that I had on my list, and then uh, you can round out yours as well, and then we'll uh, cut the podcast loose. So um, I, I had Van Landon, of course, we talked about the draft um, impact that he's going to have. Keanu Benton, a guy that uh, was going to be a beast this the upcoming year and really make a name for himself if, if you haven't heard from him already. Um so I, I had him on the list as well and then I had the outside linebacker position. Isaiah Green May, Jalen Franklin, guys like that were ready to battle that for that position. They'll they'll still be a battle, but now it, it it takes a little bit longer and you gotta wait to see who's gonna get on the field. So I had each of those three. Did you have any others on uh your little your short list?
0: Yeah, I mean I looked at a lot of uh similar to you in terms of position-wise, uh, that there was kind of just central um, tenets where it was like, these are spots that there was up for grabs and kids were probably really going to be looking for. Um, but then I also looked at guys who were going to be taking on leadership roles as well, that this is was going to be their first opportunity to do that and to be kind of a vocal leader. So you look at guys like like a Fayon Hicks or Caesar Williams. You've got guys like Kendrick Pryor. Um, You've got uh, other players like uh, Jack Sanborn, who I think is, was really going to pop this year and, and make some serious mm-hmm. noise, um, and Eric Burrell. But then on offense, like you said, you had mentioned Cole Van Lannan. But um, Logan Bruss, he's a kid who, if he has a really good season at guard, he could easily leave early for the draft. Um, but, it, I mean, granted, it would take a big season from him. But just using those athletic traits he has to show, hey, I can play both tackle for two years as a starter. And then I – or uh, I mean, he was a full starter one year and then a basically split time for another year. And then also go ahead and show that, hey, I can be a full-time starter at guard. That position versatility would really jump out to NFL teams because he's probably destined for the interior, um, once he hits the league. But, but he's a kid who I think has the ability to, to get to that point. Um, Tyler Beach as well as a guy who is probably going to be taking over that right tackle spot. He's, he's missing out having to back that timeline up for him a little bit after he's bided his time in the program for a while here, um, and played some, uh, blocking tight ends. So I think there's a lot of different ways it can go, but really I think everybody has been impacted by it, and hopefully uh, things will get back to normal here for the 2021 class, and everything will work out uh, and get back to normal.
1: Yeah, fingers crossed for a, a return to normalcy. I think everyone has, has been more than ready for it, probably been more than ready for it for months, and I hopefully we can get back there because you can see in, these, in this conversation – uh, the ripple effect from the cancellation of this decision is is very pressing, and you can see it um, in a lot of different ways and a lot of different angles. All right, guys, well, that wraps up another edition of the podcast. We thank you as always for listening and hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back with you next week and as always, on Wisconsin. <laughs>
0: Oh, <laughs>